I'm Daniel Giacopelli. It's the 22nd of April, and this is The Courier Daily. Every day we're checking in with small business owners all over the world to hear how they're adapting, pivoting, surviving, and growing. Today, on a special edition of the show, we're talking street food. Like most industries, street food vendors all over the world have seen a huge plummet in revenue due to market closures, lockdowns, and social distancing. Here in London, one of the biggest players in the scene is Curb, that's Curb with a K, which works with tons of vendors and operates tons of markets all over the city, including the new Seven Dials market in Covent Garden. This week on Instagram, Curb's founder Petra Barron posted a super honest video where she outlined the dire situation of Curb. The business has been turned upside down, she said, with income down to practically zero. And yet, as always on this show, in case you haven't realized, there are always silver linings. A bit earlier, I caught up with Petra, along with Simon Mitchell, Curb's CEO, and Maryam Putras of Smoke and Bones, a halal smokehouse stall. Here's Simon. Yeah, I mean, the first thing to say is we were you know, really geared up for an amazing year. You know, we got through the winter, which isn't great for street food, really looking forward to the weather turning and everything picking up. Seven Dials, we were forecasting to sell something like £12 million worth of food this year. And literally overnight, it all stopped. And it was a hell of a shock. So there's, a, you know, immediate panic. Within 48 hours of the government announcing that you should avoid restaurants, we had to close. Our business went through the floor. The traders were losing money by being open. So we made the call to close before we were forced to close. The markets completely dried up. There was no one in their offices, no one coming to the markets. And then our corporate events, summer is huge for us. You know, outdoor catering for big corporate events, festivals, and one by one they cancelled. You know, literally like a stack of dominoes to the point where we have no confirmed business for our corporate catering for the whole summer now. So there's the shock moment and then there's the like, okay, shit, what do we do about this? So we very quickly kind of bunkered down and thought, right, what costs can we save? And there are a couple of big moments from the government. The business rates holiday is a huge help, particularly at Seven Dials. You can imagine on 24,000 square foot in Covent Garden, we pay huge business rate bills. So that was a big one. The furloughing scheme, the job retention scheme, obviously, I actually got quite emotional when that was announced because at Seven Dials, we'd had to let 60 people go, all of our kind of temporary front of house, back of house staff, and we employ 30 people at head office. I was worried about what we would do. And that, that was an answer kind of overnight that was a real blessing to us and a, a huge weight off my mind because obviously people are are the most important thing. We're talking to our landlords, we're talking to Shaftesbury who are our landlord for Seven Dials, we're talking to our office landlord and obviously all of the street food market landlords have actually been very accommodating and understanding and we're not trading any of our lunch markets and we're not paying rent at our lunch markets either. So, you know, we're trying to get our kind of money going out to as near the zero figure as our money coming in is because we have no income. Miriam, you're a trader. You run Smoke and Bones, a halal smokehouse. I mean, what's the status of your business right now since you can't actually be working on site? We've had to stop nearly everything practically. The only thing that we've managed to kind of get an income from is selling like vacuum packed smoked meats. And that's just sort of enough to, you know, pay for our rent at our prep kitchen and then pay for a member of staff. He kind of runs everything for us when we're not able to be there. We couldn't really afford to lose him. It's just kind of keeping us afloat there. We actually also opened a little kiosk in Camden the Monday before 
the announcement that everything has to, you know, shut down. So we had to shut down a day after opening. Literally the day after you opened, you had to shut down. That must have been a big psychological toll on you. We obviously knew what was going on, but it was just really frustrating. And it was the worry that we'd invested so much money in equipment. We've got like an amazing team now, which we were all going to put them all on like a permanent contract and so forth. And that just literally just crumbled. I mean, at the moment, the only thing that is keeping us running is just selling these vacuum-packed meats. And how is that business trade going, the selling of the vacuum-packed meats? I think it's going well. It's going better than I thought it would. It is covering our costs and we are, you know, making maybe a little bit of money out of it. But it's not something significant that I can pay myself a wage again. And like so many companies, Petra, Curb has you know, really doubled down on online education and content. What's Curb TV and what else are you guys working on? So basically what we have with our trader community is we operate as a platform for street food in London and incubating and accelerating London's most promising street food traders. And the most obvious way to the public that we do that is through our markets, through our food hall, through any of our public activity. But behind the scenes, there's this whole community and resource of trader information sharing, equipment sharing, talking about events that are good, talking about, you know, looking out for dodgy event organisers, just kind of like helping with staffing, all sorts of things. And that typically, you know, originally that was informal. It was just you're at the market, you share information and then as we've got more and more big and digital, it's become more of a Slack thing. So we have had and continue to have a really active Slack hive where there's a lot of information. There's a lot of different channels about all kinds of things going on behind the scenes. And it's brilliant. I mean, you know, even just the channel about, you know, COVID, the COVID channel alone is obviously really fascinating and how everyone's doing and what the opportunities are, what the slipping through the net things are and all that sort of stuff. There's already that going on. And then with the Curb TV, it was like a way of migrating some of that into the public sphere. So part therapy, a lot of traders would be typically on a Thursday trading at the Gherkin. And not only have they lost their trade, but they've lost the social access as well and the sort of social benefits of that. So we started off doing a get together for traders on Thursday when they typically would have been trading at the Gherkin to sit there in their various homes and talk about how they're feeling, how are they getting on? Because, you know, this has hit everybody equally hard. And then just sort of developing it from there like I said we run workshops normally in the real world so that had to be cancelled the one that was planned for March so we changed it to being online so we used it as an opportunity to gather the traders together to educate whoever was watching on how to start a street food business and then just finding ways to bring the community together because when all our financial currency has halted it's the social currency that is really, you know, front and centre of our minds as well. And just kind of making sure that we continue with that and continue to have ways to show off what our traders are doing, what they're good at, and just kind of involve them in what we're doing. So Jack and Ollie have been hosting that and we're just moving it forward. We're going to have different things going on every week. We've got the lockdown lunches happening this week, which is kind of like a sustainability thing as well. Like what's the best foods you can make with the least amount of money, care of, you know, Lanny app, our Trini, trader or any trader that's got some fantastic dish that does isn't going to cost a fortune to make and isn't going to require total genius to put together 
Simon, so many pundits are really fond of saying right now that, you know, COVID will change X forever. You know, there will be no more events ever. We'll forever distance ourselves. Do you think six months from now, you know, we'll all be back to our normal lives? Everything will be the same as it was, you know, six months before now. Or will this forever change how we actually experience going to food markets and food stalls? That's a really good question. I mean, I'm not sure about the six month thing. That's the million dollar question is, is when can we safely reopen? And what does that look like? I think for us, more and more, we're thinking we won't open until you can get the full experience. I don't think Seven Dials Market is somewhere you're going to want to come with a mask and be served by someone in a mask and be two meters away from the person next to you. I think the beauty of curb and, and street food is the, is the interaction. That's why Petra called the business curb. You know, it's it's what happens on that sidewalk and the interaction between the trader and the customer. It's not some soulless mass produced food by a big chain. More often than not, you are being served by the business owner like Miriam on that stall. And you can ask them about their ingredients. You can ask them about how they cook their food. And that's what separates street food from other restaurants is that interaction with the business and the individuality and the uniqueness of it. So I think people crave that. But that, of course, assumes that you can hold off for longer until a point in which people are back to normal, right? I mean, if you could reopen with masks earlier and it makes financial sense to do so, maybe you might want to do that or no? We have to wait and see what happens. I mean, the thought of it fills me with dread, if I'm honest. You know, it's not what we're about. We're a fun, lively place to come and get some great food, a great drink. There'll be some music and and kind of forget about your worries. That is the beauty of Seven Dials Market. That's why we built it the way we did. It's an auditorium. Yeah, doing it with masks seems a bit dystopian, I suppose. Yeah, and, and you know, people crave human interaction, you know, so I don't see a world where, let's say next year, everyone sat at home on their laptops ordering in food or making it themselves. I think people will want to get out and mingle with their friends and interact and experience food that they can't cook themselves or you can't get delivered brilliantly. I do already. I'm craving that. I'm craving that trip to the pub with my friends or that that first amazing meal in a restaurant. I do think it will come back, yes. And I do think it will come back in some way stronger than ever because I think people will appreciate it more. Will it come back in six months? I hope so, but I'm not convinced. None of us know the answer to that. We are setting ourselves up to be able to survive for as long as possible without trading, so that with Seven Dials specifically, so that we can bounce back really emphatically. Miriam, so many times in crises, creativity happens for better or worse. You know what I mean? People just have to hustle and innovate. Do you think maybe out of necessity, when you're doing these amazing, you know, vacuum packed versions of, of your meat, do you think you might want to just continue doing that more and more and more, even when you have a fully functional business back up and running? Yeah, I mean, I think because we obviously saw that there's there's people that are interested in this kind of thing, just because obviously when COVID's over, just because that's over, I wouldn't really necessarily say I'm going to stop doing the vacuum packed meats, especially because I've had a lot of inquiries as well for people in like Birmingham or up north as well, asking me to send meat to them via post. So, and you know, just getting their reaction when they have the meat, you know, they just enjoy it so much. I don't want to kind of deprive people of that even after we reopen at Camden or um, at the lunch market, there's always that possibility that we could continue it depending on demand. The positive side of it 
is some of the traders that have pivoted and like have set up a mail order business or meal kits and have actually found out that that is a really kind of sustainable and profitable side to their business that they may keep going after this. Even for us at Seven Dials, we've started doing a very small grocery delivery service to people that live within a mile of Seven Dials market, initially just to kind of service the local community that might be on lockdown. But now we're thinking, actually, this could be something we keep going afterwards. And maybe we set up a subscription service. So there's two sides. There's people that are able to pivot and maybe find a new business out of this. And there's the people that are unfortunately going to slip through the cracks. And I think, you know, we're trying to do everything we can to support those people. And I think there's a lot more the government could be doing in all sectors to support those self-employed people that are going to slip through the cracks. Yeah, Petra, just to follow up on that, you started your street food career 15 years ago. I'm wondering if entrepreneurs starting right now, you know, post-pandemic, do you think they'll run and grow their businesses in totally different ways? Maybe they'll focus on different types of products or different types of business models, given what's just happened? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to flip it totally around in many ways. I think we've witnessed a increasing trend of people eyeing up street food more and more with dollar signs in their eyes, right? Okay, if I start this street food business and then I get another stall and another stall and another stall, then I can attract investment and then I can get a restaurant and then I can go on to having five restaurants, etc., etc. It's been much easier to see how you might be able to really make some money from the curb up in a way that when I started, that that wasn't even really your thought. You thought, oh, maybe I'll get a shop or something. You didn't really think about it with such a grand vision. But I imagine that a lot of those kind of people may be looking at the thing now and going, actually, it's probably not a very good idea after all. But at the same time, I think that there will be, you know, if we accept that lots of restaurants aren't going to make it, I wouldn't be surprised if there'd be places that once were restaurants or chefs who were once in restaurants who go well actually I'm going to go it alone and the best way I've got of going it alone right now is starting on the street or starting in a meanwhile space in sort of an empty building which once was a restaurant or once was something I think there's just going to be a real turnaround of all of that sort of thing and if there's one of the things to be excited about after this I feel like it's going to attract a different kind of person like a, a person that normally wouldn't have maybe even considered being on the streets I think it just shifts everything everything around. I think it shifts mindset and I think it shifts ability to even imagine how you're going to make money. And, and it, it just it's going to attract all sorts of new ideas in much the same way that the crash of 2008 paved the way for all sorts of new ways of thinking about food and food businesses and dining and socialising in London and across the world. Yeah. And in a perverse way, it does seem, I mean, a lot of people are going to fail and that's going to be tragic, but it does seem that it'll also spur on a lot of incredible amounts of hustling and creativity and new ways of making money it can't not like that's just law isn't it that's just how it works when there's like a, a total like throwing up in the air of everything that we knew it's going to all fall down in in different ways which are going to be both horrifying and deeply exciting that's just the kind of paradox of life isn't it my special thanks to petra baron and simon mitchell of curb and Miriam putros of smoke and bones for today's show if you like the show, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to also send me any business questions you want answered. Just record your question in audio format and email it to me at daniel at couriermedia.co. As ever, sign up to Courier Weekly, our email newsletter, for more stories of pivoting, adapting, surviving, and growing. That's at couriermedia.co slash sign up. I'm Daniel Giacopelli. The Courier Daily is back again on Thursday. <laughs>